You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everybody, welcome back. It's time for episode 181 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle, and normally Michelle would be with me this week to discuss the comics and books around the Star Wars world. But, you know, we took a week off and recharged the batteries just a little bit, and we picked up a new teammate along the way. So everybody, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you all, Marie. How are y'all doing? Hey, everybody. Thank you, Marie, so much for joining us. Uh, we've been trying to put this together for... For a while now, and I, I've been talking with Michelle saying, hey, we, I want to get a third voice on the podcast, someone to help uh, enrich and enliven our discussions about the books, and someone who is really deep, real deep into the books. And it's it's weird how things happen sometimes, because you just kind of like blew into my timeline, and I was like, hey. And then you came into our Tumbling Saber group, and you became a powerful friend, and I'm like, what's, what's Marie up to? And lo and behold... Marie is a Star Wars comic and, and novel fanatic. And you've got an awesome blog at, at the thestarwarsreview.blogspot.com. And so I was checking out your, your, your blog, and I'm like, oh my god. I wonder what Marie thinks about podcasting. And so we chatted back and forth, and here you are. This is, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked to have you here. Me too, for sure. So let me, let me ask you then, just to... As, as we introduce you here to, to uh, the Tumbling Saber listeners, wh what got you into Star Wars? And then, I guess, shooting off that question, what brought you into the comics and printed realm? So, I am 32, and I when I was 10 years old, so that was right before the prequels came out, um, I was introduced to A New Hope by my parents and I loved it and became obsessed. And then I was like, I really want Luke and Leia to get together. So <laughs> my parents immediately said, we have to watch Empire Strikes Back. So we watched that and I was like, oh, I don't want them to get together. And then we watched Return of the Jedi and it was just, it was awesome from then on out. I was completely and utterly obsessed. I even went to the Magic of the Myths Smithsonian exhibit um, in Washington, D.C. when I was like 11, and oh, it was man. amazing seeing all the costumes and props and everything. Um, and then the prequels came out, and they, for me personally, blew the original trilogy out of the water for me. So I love the prequels so much, and they bring me joy. Um, but then... I was starting to get into um, the books. I, I'd read some of the books, but I was—I had finally made a decision. I think I was in graduate school when I finally made a decision to go through all of the the books and this this stuff that's now legends. And so I started reading. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get through all this. And then new canon came out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. I can actually do this. 
so I started from there and just have done everything in my power to keep up with it. The the comic books, the children's books, the adult novels, reference books, everything. Like Chewy and the Porgs, I've read yes. it. C-3PO does not like sand. I've read it. So <laughs> uh, um, I and even some of the the um, uh, Star Wars Rebels books and uh, I have a Star Wars Resistance reference book. And so just everything. I have a whole canon cabinet. Wow. That's that. I mean, it, it's no small thing to say that. But keeping up with everything is is a big deal because they throw a ton of stuff out there all the time. Yes. Like there's there's stuff that I didn't even I, I don't even know is a thing. Like when did that come out? Oh, a couple years ago. Oh man, right. add that to the Amazon wish list. Yeah, the ever it gets, growing. And some of those reference books are pricey, so that gets a little tricky. But I make it work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are your favorite ones? Like for me, it's it, my favorite books. I mean. I've I've got the return, uh, the making of Star Wars, making of Empire Strikes Back, making of Re- uh, Return of the Jedi. But I think my favorite books are the art of. Mm. Where do you fall? What, what do you, what's your favorite sort of reference book? So for me, I'm more about in-universe stuff. So it's because I'm obsessed with Star Wars trivia as well. So I like in-universe trivia. And so the reference books that are about like the visual dictionaries and the character encyclopedias and those sorts of things. Very cool. I, I used to, I, I actually have the essential guide to star Wars right here by Andy, Andy Mangles. It's, it's about 25 years old. This book, it's got all nice. those like silly EU legends characters in it. Yeah. There's some really funny stuff in there, but by, back then that was like the Bible. Like this was the thing to own if you wanted to know about that Nomi Sunrider or or Callista or uh, what's his uh, Katarn. Like that was the book that you would re- reference and it'd have either, you know, half a page if the character hadn't been around very long to many pages if it was a Luke Skywalker. But yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, I, I am not as successful in keeping up with... Uh, all the stuff that I'd like to, but you know, I I I, 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 I try to pick my spots and and get the things that I I know that I need to, need to have, and that the rest of it, that's what the internet's for. I you know I think I I listen yeah. to a lot, a lot of podcasts and, and interact with a lot of people, and I try to fill in the blanks that way. But uh, I'm super super glad that you're here with us to help flesh out these conversations that we should be having on this podcast. Uh, we've we've wanted to talk more about the comics. Uh, we've just not been able to properly, you know, sync up. I guess is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. But we're gonna fix that, starting right now, Marie. <laughs> Yay! But you know, I I can't I just j- this just came to mind too because I'm sure this is on your mind big time. Um, what are your thoughts on Project Luminous? Where do, oh my what do you gosh. think this is? Oh, it's tormenting um, me. So it must be destroying <laughs> you too. Yes. Um, since they have authors from all different genres, basically, because you've got adult. No, I'm, I believe I'm correct in this. You've got adult novel writers. You've got young adult novel authors. And then you've got comic book authors. Pretty much. 
in in because... some cases more like Charles Soule is comics, but he's also a novelist. Hmm. So you've got people from different, I guess, formats. And so I'm hoping it's this crazy, awesome crossover thing. But kind of like Flight of the Falcon, that crossed over with um, young adult novels and comic books. So that was kind of cool how it had a continuous story with Bayes Natal. Um, Bazine Natal, sorry. Um, so that was kind of neat. Uh, it maybe it's something like that, but more grandiose. Yeah, I mean, just with the name of it, Project Luminous seems to makes makes you think that it's definitely something steeped in the Force. Yeah. Whether it's about Yoda or if it's something grander about, uh, I don't know, the Force at large, the history of the Jedi. It's something big and. Charles Soule in particular keeps going out there and just mentions something about it and makes everybody super anxious that he's going to tell us something. <laughs> and then they don't. Yeah. And, they, and then he just goes, oh, yeah, all in due time. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, l- l- let me ask you this one real quick. Favorite favorite author of new canon? Okay. I'm going to have to get because – and this is – and he's only written one book, but it was such a good book. I can't. Lou Anders. Pirate's Price. Pirate's Price. <laughs> I love Pirate's Price. That is such a good book. And and he's awesome, too. Every time I call him out on social media, he's always likes it or comments on it. And I'm like, man, he like I don't even tag him. He just finds it. So searches his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, but I, I love that book. And then I guess my, I'd have a second one and I know he fell into some tricky situations and I'm really sad about it, but Chuck Wendig, um, because Aftermath, Sinjir Roth Velas is the most phenomenal Star Wars character. <laughs> he is, he had, oh. he's hilarious. I love him so much. He's a character I would not mind seeing almost do like the Hondo thing where he became such a hit on Clone Wars that he carried over to Rebels and then he even got more popular after that. Let's seed him into the comics. And now he's at Galaxy's Edge. I'd love to see Sinjir do something similar. Where I, How fantastic would it be to see him in a comic book? I would love it. I would be so, so there for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, he's just wonderful. I just wonder if, if cause his, his sense of humor was so unique, right? Yeah. And I wonder if that is just exclusive to Chuck. I want, I don't know if anybody else could do that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. That book and in those books, because they were written in present tense, it really threw me off at first. And I was like, I don't know if I can get into this. But then I was introduced to Sinjir and I was like, these are good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're highly polarizing books, I guess is a nice way to put it. Like I, f- I found the first book really tough to get through. Mm-hmm. But books two and three, I thought were really good. And it, like they got progressively better. Which I yeah. guess is natural as you build to a conclusion, but I had no, really no issues at all with, with two or three. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, before we get into the 
comics of it all that we're going to talk about. We, there's a lot of comics that, boy, we, we're talking about Age of, Age of Resistance stuff today. Um, we're going to try and get in a, a little chat of Target Vader. There was a preview that came up for that book this week. Um, Charles Soule is doing a one-pager. That's kind of interesting. And then yeah. towards the end of the episode, we'll talk about Star Wars issue 67, about the departing Kieran Gillen, and incoming Greg Pak. But before we get to all that, uh, we always like to talk about our collections. Now, for me this week, I don't have anything new to report, but I did see, and I'm sure all of you out there, you guys saw it as well, but uh, the exclusives that are coming up at San Diego Comic-Con, and my, I, I could feel my brains leaking out of my ear, looking at all those beautiful exclusives coming. And there's, there's the six-inch Boba Fett, which looks like it's going to be maybe a prelude to the Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary line. I, I gotta, I, I could see myself going to eBay for that one, which is something I said I'd never do. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And hmm. uh, there's also a, a Luke Skywalker Jedi Destiny 3-pack in the, in the old vintage packaging. I'm, everybody knows I'm deep into the vintage collection. And uh, there's that, that really weird-looking special edition prototype Darth Vader, the Entertainment Earth exclusive. It's all kinds of wacky colors, but it's it's a really cool-looking figure. But also, Marie, you did, I, I run this by you because you have a pretty unique slant on collecting. Like, you love uh, the Hot Wheels vehicles. Yes, the Hot Wheels character cars, specifically. Um I just I love how they take a character's persona and put it into a car form. I don't even like I'm not a car person. I don't even <laughs> really like cars. I just have a car to drive. I don't really care what kind of car it is, but I love the character cars so much. So like the one that is I think the Leia one is sort of it follows the line of her dress and like that silver belt kind of drapes over the hood, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then it has the the buns on the the I think the back of the car has the buns on it. Yeah, and, and then, similarly, like Vader's all like has his his mask kind of built into the hood. And there's actually an Anakin Vader flip car. So one side is Anakin and one side is Vader. Hmm, I have never seen that one. And that one's I have that one. That one's pretty cool. So when you I, see the when you see the the San Diego's Comic Con exclusive um, mouse droid, does that do bad things to you, or you're just like, no, nah, that's cool, like it's it's nice, it's interesting, but it's not a character car, so you'll pass. Well, it said when it, when I saw it, I think it said character car. Um, I don't I don't know, but then again, one of my favorite short stories and from a certain point of view is of MSC six and men, which is about a mouse droid. Is that the one that so, Chewie yells at? I think so. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> and um, I just love that story so much. It's so unique. And I, so I, I, I like the idea of having a mouse droid because of that story. Now, are you the type to go chase it down? If if this is a thing that's only at San Diego Comic Con, will you go look looking around for it, or it, you'll wait for it to show up at Target or Walmart? My thing is, I don't go online, typically, t- 
sometimes. Okay, I can't say that fully. Um, I have gone online sometimes to get like I got the Luke Skywalker and Rancor double pack, and I got the Jabba and Han Solo and Carbonite double pack. Those were from HotWheels.com, but there was a deal, so I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're hard to find, but typically. I look around at cons and um, and Target, and that's pretty much where I I look around. So that's probably a healthier outlook because online shopping is just an endless rabbit hole that can just sink its fangs into you and never let go. Yeah, there is one car though that I really, really want, and I think I may go through Amazon or some online thing to get it. Moloch. Oh, that's yeah. So, so I was going to ask you, like, who are you looking for? And because I always like that we all in the, our Star Wars Commonwealth network, we all kind of like keep an eye out for each other. And if if we know that somebody's out there looking for something, whenever I'm out, you know, on the hunt for my collection, I will always I'll have like a in the back of my mind. Oh, I'm also looking for this for this person or that for that person. Is, is there anything that any character cards that you are sorely lacking that if I saw it, just buy it? Definitely Moloch. I want. I don't know why, but I want that one so bad. It's just really cool looking. Um, and then uh, the Admiral Akbar is pretty awesome. Too. Oh no, General Grievous. General Grievous. That would be it. It would be Moloch and General Grievous. I know I've seen the Grievous, and not that long ago. But Moloch, you got me on there. But if I do, if I do see it, I will definitely make sure to grab that for you. Sweet. All right, so let's quick. There's a bit of news to talk about. We'll try and get through it quickly. Um, I know that like the printed material is your wheelhouse, Marie. But where are you at with Disney Plus? Like, is this something that you're stoked for with with the Mandalorian coming and and Cassian Andor? Are you excited for these? Well, I mean, the Mandalorian sounds really cool. That the video footage that I you know found a way to see um was really awesome so the the trailer was really really cool um but rogue one is my number one all-time favorite star wars movie and the cassian andor series when i saw that that was being announced when i saw that announced i lost my mind nice it's like it's like lucasfilm knows it's like they're paying attention i think rogue one is probably I would have to say it's probably the most popular of or the most most well-liked of the four movies of this era. I just um, I actually watched it Friday night <laughs> for like the 40th time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> no, I've, I, yeah, no, you're you're way ahead of me on that on that scale. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a wonderful film. Uh, have you have you seen the um what is it called now? It's a different cut of the movie. Uh, the, it's a Rogue One fan edit. I gotta try and pull it up here. It's it's kind of fascinating the way it, it took some of the music from the original trilogy and mm-hmm. dropped that in over some of the uh, Michael Giacchino score. Yeah, it's just it's just called Rogue One: The Battle of Scarif. So it kind of leaves behind the first half of the movie, or even like the first two thirds. And it's like a 45-minute edit of just the Battle of Scarif. 
with some of the original trilogy music weaved into it. It's it's really cool. It's really well done, but um, yeah, there's just there's something about it. I just need to watch the original. Yeah, I actually the um, number one soundtrack that's my go-to is also Rogue One. So I super heart Michael Giacchino. Um, I can't believe what he was able to pull off. I love it. In such a short window, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, but there was a small snippet unearthed this week by by Slimo on Twitter, who I don't know how she does it, but she unearths all the things worth unearthing, and uh, she found this. I think it was a Spanish language interview um, with Diego Luna, and he talked about getting the script and him needing to look younger since it's a prequel to Rogue One. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, organic lettuce and exercise." But it, it like that this particular aspect is like it's something that I had a bit of trouble with specifically when it came to Rogue One with like with Diego Luna and Felicity Jones. Like they were playing characters in their mid and early 20s respectively. And I just I could not reconcile that because I knew that both actors were already either in their late 20s or early 30s. I, I just yeah. I, I, I couldn't get I couldn't get past that. I'm like, no, you're not Felicity Jones, Jinerso. You're not 21. You are as a character, but like she was like 29 or so when she shot that. I just mm. I, I just couldn't put that together in my head. Uh, we I, I hope that you are you never saw that as a problem. I no I I didn't I for me personally I look really young. So people always think that I'm like in my early 20s and it's a little frustrating at times, but that's okay. Um, that, that'll pay dividends in, in like 10 years from now when you still get carded. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I For me, age and the way people look and what age they're supposed to be doesn't really match up just because people always think I'm like 24. So... I'm not good at determining age at all. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I'm in my head I'm like, "Ah, no, like don't talk about this aspect, Diego." Like, but he, cuz he's playing he's now 3 years older as a person mm. than when he shot Rogue One and yeah. he's going to be playing like an even younger version of Cassian. And I'm like, "How are they going to make this work?" And I'm trying trying to do all this math in my head like, "Why?" I'm just I, it's something I shouldn't think about. <laughs> There's more impressing matters to think about, but this is what goes through my head. Yeah. And but we they do have that de-aging technology that we see. I think the MCU has has used it extremely well. And of course, Rogue One itself with with uh I mean, I guess it's not quite the same thing, but they recreated Tarkin. Yeah. Uh, the Leia thing. So I'm sure I'm sure if they needed to, they could use some of that on on uh, Diego Luna if they had to but it seems like it'd be a lot like if, if it, the sh it's his show so it'd have to be used virtually yeah. in every scene so I don't know maybe they'll just they will rely on that organic lettuce <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical oh my goodness but it, it sounds like um, October is when they're going to start shooting so that, that'll be available on Disney mm -hmm. Plus if I'm guess if I had to guess like next fall 
Yeah. And then um, on their latest podcast, Making Star Wars, just last week, they said that they've heard from some of their sources that uh, Rogue One director Gareth Edwards is very much involved in the Cassian Andor series, which is kind of cool. But also, yeah, it's also kind of weird considering a lot of the film was reshot without him. That's true. It's weird. I find that weird, but I'm also kind of happy for him because he he played ball, you know, in a situation where maybe he could have stomped his feet and held his breath and, and threw a tantrum about it all. He wanted to stay part of the family, so he just said, okay, well, you know what? Well, I'll take some help, and we'll we'll get this movie fixed, and we'll move on. But uh, it made me happy to see that see that his name is being linked to it again. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, it's, it's it's a character that he helped bring to life. So I'm, he would, at at the very least, have some pretty probably pretty specific and, and useful insights into the Cassian Andor character. So I, I hope he is in, if not, you know, as maybe some sort of executive producer. Maybe he'll direct some episodes. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Stephen Schiff is the showrunner, and we but we've not yet heard about writers or directors. Uh, but yeah, nice to hear Gareth Edwards maybe sticking around. And then uh, sticking with Disney Plus, another rumor from MSW. Uh, on their latest podcast, they they said that they heard that there's a new animated series from Dave Filoni and John Favreau coming. Huh? Oh, that which my ears perked up at that one. Yeah. Like I, I both of those men, I love to death. I love Dave Filoni, and I, I think anything that John Favreau's ever done, I've loved. I just I just love that guy. And so if they're teaming up on not just The Mandalorian, but also on a new animated series, which MSW kind of described as being a bit more central for whatever that you know, whatever that means. Mm. Um, I, call me crazy, but what if this means that this could be set around the same time as The Mandalorian and the Rebels epilogue and maybe start tying some of those threads together? Like, do you have, are you, are, are you into the animation stuff too? Yeah. 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 Um, d- that just made me think, okay, so I went to Chattacon and in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and, um, Timothy Zahn was there and, you know, he's throng guy and he was talking about how he would love to talk about where, Ezra went with Thrawn, but Dave Filoni told him he couldn't touch it. Hmm. So, which makes sense. (laughs) Like, what if it's finally something to do with where Ezra went? Wouldn't that be crazy? I would love that. They they have to tell us at some point. They do. They can't just leave that dangling. No, and with so much content coming out about Thrawn, you know he's been yeah. he's been a part of things now for the last three full years. Ever since I think it was season two of Rebels, he debuted. Yeah, it's, there's been a steady flow of 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 Thrawn content ever since 
th- third novel's coming out very soon. We got an excerpt of that this week, which initially we were going to touch on, but I don't know that we will this week. But uh, at some point, yeah, they've they've got to really jump on the Ezra Thrawn thread. And of course, that that would inevitably mean we also get the other side of that story, which is Sabine and Ahsoka. Yes. Which, frankly, int- that that side of the story interests me more than the Thrawn and Ezra side. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. So whenever I get to see my little snips on the screen, uh, no. I, I am happy. I agree. So yeah, I hope hopefully we get some news very, very soon about maybe San Diego Comic Con, which is very soon, will give us uh, some official news about a Filoni Favreau collaboration or D23. The only other thought that I had, and this may be way out there, but the only other thought that I had of what it could possibly be would be a um, Luke and Ben Solo Jedi mm-hmm. Academy series. Yep, I have I have been a big, big supporter of, of exploring that. And I, I, I've, I always tack Laura Santeca into that group. Oh. I always put those three together and say... Those three kind of traveled the galaxy for a while together, unearthing Jedi lore, learning about the Force, blah blah blah. I'd love to see that in any form. I'm I'm just getting desperate now. <laughs> but yeah, let's get some confirmation on that Filoni series. <clears throat> so last week again, um, Daisy Ridley she was out there promoting uh, her new film Ophelia, and so she got she got. She was all over the place. The schedule, she must have been absolutely exhausted. Uh, but on Wednesday last week, she was on Good Morning America. Just a few interesting things to say. Did, did anything jump out at you based on her comments? How she kept saying that it would be emotional, the movie would be emotional and moving. So she seemed to really focus on the... Um, emotion of it so I don't know if that's like a joyous emotion a scared emotion a sad emotion moving I guess would be yeah it could be all because moving could mean anything too but I I really like that I want to be of course I always get emotional gosh Rogue One makes me makes me cry all the time but um, so do the prequels. Everything makes me cry. All these <laughs> movies. They're so good. Um, I just love Star Wars. Um, Amen. <laughs> so, and then also when she said there were so many references to the nine films. she I don't know why she said nine films. There would only be eight that it would be referencing. But um, no, That's a good catch. <laughs> but that's what she said. She um, so I... I was really excited about that, that there will be references to that includes referencing the prequels. And so that makes me really happy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, people, people mistakenly believe that there's sort of this prequel ban at Disney, which is not even remotely true. (laughs) But I do. I really do wonder what elements of the prequels will be on display in the rise of Skywalker. I really do wonder. Do Do you have any thoughts? Um, 
Well, for me, the the reintroduction of Palpatine to me is a, I know he's in the original trilogy, but he's such a main character in the prequels that like for me that is a nod to the prequels. Um, of course, my little heart would be so happy if there was an Anakin Skywalker Force ghost. Oh my gosh, I would lose it. Um, that that's my big like my bold hope. <laughs> is that is that your number one hope? Yes, an Anakin Skywalker Force ghost. I would be so there for that. In any like part of the action, or just just let me see him. Um, I'd love him to have a conversation with Kylo Ren, and be like, "Dude, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, th- finish what I started. I, th- what? This doesn't make sense. Like, and yeah, that, that you'd have to think that." Like at some, Anakin should have done this already, right? Like, I wonder if there's some. I wonder if something has happened that it's been made impossible for Anakin to speak to Kylo or Ben, whatever you want to call him. I I don't I don't know. (laughs) I just don't. Yeah, yeah. That would be my biggest thing. I know. um, I think it's funny. I'll talk about the Force Ghost Jamboree. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh that i mean that would that would be kind of cool but it would it would be like where have they been like why haven't they shown up yet that's a good point yeah i mean as as long as whatever whatever you do explain it like yeah you know don't bring it don't bring it in because like that like i think that one is, is an obvious one you know like why didn't Anakin just talk to him before, before all this mess started? But while he was heading down a dark path, maybe he should have tapped on his shoulder back then and go, hey, like all that stuff that I did, I was way wrong. <laughs> I thought I was right. I was wrong. Don't do that. So as long as they can explain that, yeah, it, make, it makes it a lot easier to take. Uh, one of the things I thought that was interesting out of uh, Daisy Ridley's comments was she said that Ophelia is the first time that she's felt like a lead in a film, hmm. which I thought was a That's little true. bit odd, like considering her role in the sequels. Yeah. I mean, so I, I got to thinking like are, either the sequels are too much of an ensemble and nobody should really feel like the lead by design or, or Lucasfilm hasn't, uh, been clear enough about who the lead is and so you know like in a series where they've i think it's safe to say they've kind of presented ray as the lead yeah i think it's fair right like they've kind of put her forth as as the central figure of this of this trilogy but yeah i then, would definitely agree i mean it would be i would say ray and kylo are the the two main characters yeah 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 for sure um yeah and then and then of course they 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 tell us she's not a skywalker and they kind of keep hammering that home but then the final chapter is rise of skywalker <laughs> so i i i you know i i guess you can't blame some people for being confused about it all which is maybe what we, I'm, maybe we should be confused at this point because there's still another movie to come yeah but yeah that that comment did stand out to me just a little bit because uh, I, I don't know if we should feel like 
Daisy is the lead. Or if that should be clear at this point. But it seems like it's it's not really clear for her. But anyway, um, mm. I think the, the thing that really... Uh, I think the, the most mm, relevant comment that she made was like her playing coy on whether or not Ray would return in the future. Oh, yeah. And I know that, that on uh, the BuzzFeed show AM to DM, uh, she said that, no, she's not part of the next Benioff and Weiss tool. She's like, she completely closed the door on that. But like she played coy on Good Morning America. And I think personally, I think it's a mistake. And I, I, I think she should just say across the board, no, I'm done. I'm done as Ray. Just you know, if if this is episode nine, if this is the end, I I think it's smarter. <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's smarter for them to just be really hit home that this is the end, and there is no what's next for these characters. You know what I mean? Like if they if they yeah. want this conclusion to be a conclusion, then don't let us think that it's not the conclusion. But didn't at celebration Kathleen Kennedy say that? There, that she they weren't done telling stories about these new characters they had created. Yeah, and she and even going back further, she has said we're we're figuring out the future for characters like Finn and Poe and Ray. Like she meant she said that before. I'm like, why are you doing that? Like it's very bizarre to me that you would throw that out there now because now, whatever conclusion you give us, all we're gonna think about is well. We're, we're just going to look for the crack in the door. Oh, that, that that's the thread they pull on to continue this with episode 10 or just you know, don't call it episode 10, but just keep telling their story. Yeah. I think, I think it was a mistake at this point to make us think that eh, maybe, maybe like it, it's either the conclusion or it's not. Anyway, I won't complain because if they give us more star Wars, <laughs> I, I will happily accept it. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? That was really it for Star Wars news last week, <laughs> which is funny because we took a week off because part, in, in part because there was no news. We, so we thought, you know what? It's, it's a good week to kind of just cool our heels. It was a long weekend here. Let's just forget about it. <laughs> and then here we are a week later. We're like, where's the news? Come on, guys. Uh, but anyways, but we're here to talk about comics and there's plenty of that to discuss. And I think July is bringing us a fresh wave of Age of Resistance comics. Uh, but we've got some solicitations for the September round. And then we've got, uh, on September 4th, we've got Rose Tico number one. And September 11th will bring us Supreme Leader Snoke number one. September 18th is Ray number one. And September 25th is Kylo Ren number one. Now, as, as somebody who buys everything... I, I, yes. Which one? Like, are are you stoked for all of these? I am most excited about Snoke and Kylo Ren. Backstory, right? Yes. Yes. We... I want to know all of it. <laughs> now, what's what is your read on this situation? Do you think Snoke? I, I realize that's a very broad question. Uh. When it comes to these two characters and their dynamic, and we know that Snoke kind of almost infected Kylo from before he was born, so to speak. Yeah. Or at least that's what we kind of 
extract out of out of aftermath but i i i'm i'm fascinated to see when when the when did he really sink the hook in you know when yeah. did he get, when did he really get to bend ben solo's ear how do you think that played out or do you think do you think they'll give us that in these comics well the way the synopsis read for the snoke one it the only way i could see their being information on how they met is in flashbacks because it says like after the beginning of his training. So that would have had to be post them meeting post destruction of the Jedi Academy. Um, so maybe they'll have flashbacks of how they met. Um, as for how, Hmm. I'm not really sure. It is fascinating, though. Holy cow. Yeah. They, I mean, I'm I'm almost wondering, and I know I've heard this from people before, but if Snoke, maybe he was originally someone else and was a family friend or something. Like, I feel like I've heard that theory somewhere before. Um. Well, it, but, it, is, it is interesting to that that everybody kind of knows who Snoke is. Ne- Leia knows who he is. Luke obviously knows. Han Solo knows who he is. You're right, though. Like it does make me wonder if maybe Snoke presented differently at some point in his life, and maybe they trusted him. Yeah, that's the only because otherwise. I feel like Luke would have realized that Ben was going wayward and being, I mean, how distracted would Luke had to have been to be completely ignorant of everything that was going on with with Ben? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, he would have to be super ignorant of what was going on and just blinded by it. Uh, just blindsided. Like I, that baffles me a little bit. And that is that is the type of thing that there's there's so much open story there to tell. And which I, I think it's one of those subject matters that I think works really well in a series of novels. Yes. I would love to see that play out in the longest form possible. Yes. Yeah, I think well, yes, the the Snoke and and, and Kylo issue 1 yeah, they, they, they go hand in hand. I don't know if you can buy one without the other. Yeah. So the Kylo Ren one, the one that really, the thing that really excited me about it was that there's going to be more Anakin. And so I thought about this um, when we were talking earlier about the whole relationship between what Kylo Ren knows about Anakin's past. Um so I really, I cannot wait to find out what Kylo Ren actually knows about Anakin Skywalker because yeah. there's so much conjecture over what does he actually know? Like, does he know that he was redeemed? It made it kind of sound like he knows more than we thought he did in the synopsis for the Kylo Ren issue. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, the synopsis reads, Anakin Skywalker casts a long shadow. Can Kylo Ren ever escape his infamous grandfather's reputation? Or will he succeed where Darth Vader failed? That is, it's, it's, yeah, that is pretty broad. There's a, there's a number of places that that could go. Yeah, it, interesting that they do use Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. In the same, what, 50... 50 word synopsis. Right. So yeah, like I, I <laughs> that, now you've got me thinking, wow, that's crazy. I wonder if, if we see Kylo flashing back thinking about order 66 time. Oh, or just in, in that general area. Like I imagine Kylo Ren thinking about Anakin Skywalker as a Jedi he, I don't know if he would think about that at all. Like he would probably only, right. he'd probably only take into consideration the the evil part, or the evil deeds of Anakin. Yeah. So I wonder if, if this is sort of a flashbacky issue with with Kylo looking at um, what Anakin did as he sort of fell to the dark side. That that is fascinating. And then. And there, will he succeed where Darth Vader failed? I mean, that that kind of plays right into what Kylo Ren is all about, or claims to be all about in these new movies. Yeah. Finishing what he started. And they're like, what what exactly did Darth Vader fail? In in yeah. Kylo Ren's opinion. Like, we still don't know that, right? What right. Is, what is he finishing? Like, what did Darth Vader start that Kylo Ren will, wants to finish? Is it is it simply... Just the destruction of the Jedi? That's a good question. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Um, I think I'm probably going to end up picking up this whole wave. All four of them. I will say, um, Rose, like, <clears throat> excuse me. So, anything with Rose and Paige in it is wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. I don't know. Have you read one of... Okay, so there's Cobalt Squadron, Rose Tico Resistance Fighter, Bomber Command, and the Forces of Destiny comic collection that all four have Rose and Page stories in them. Of those four, I only have the Star Wars Adventures, which was really good. That was so good. I loved that story. Um... But so there's already great material out there already. So I thought it was interesting how it said, like, these are essential stories. And I was like, well, there's already so much out there about Rose and Paige. What could be essential that they could add? But yeah. it'll be great. Like, the, everything I've read about Rose and Paige is wonderful. But I just wonder about the word essential. And I, I've just had this swell of shame rise up within me going, cause I, I'm a big, I'm, I like Rose a lot. And I realized I've, I've done nothing to kind of learn more about her. I don't have Co Cobalt Squadron. I do want it. I, it's something I will pick up. I just haven't done it. And I've, I've done it's really nothing. good. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I, I've shamed myself today. It's really cool, actually. Cobalt Squadron, Rose Tico Resistance Fighter, and Bomber Command are very symbiotic, all three of them together. They play off of each other really well, and they complement each other, and pieces that 
like you see connections between the three of them and then they fill in gaps. So like reading the three of them together is the best way to do it. But I understand lack of time. <laughs> yeah, that's a biggie. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and then the last one here, uh, Ray number one synopsis. I'll read it quickly. It's after Han Solo's fall, Ray searched for Luke Skywalker, but before Luke, there was Leia. Witness never before seen moments between Rey and General Organa. What will Rey, Chewbacca, and R2-D2 encounter on the way to find Leia's missing brother? So that we, I guess we know the time frame. This is right after TFA. But I'm, I'm always down for more, for more Rey hanging out with Leia. Yeah. My only issue with this one is that it, I mean, obviously I'll read all of them and I'm excited about all of them, but um, the description seemed a little disjointed and I feel like the timeline's a little wonky. Like there's only a really short time period in which never before seen scenes between Leia and Ray could have taken place. So do you think that the scenes between Leia and Ray will be like just a couple panels or a couple pages. Yeah, it could be right. Like I think, I think the novelization has them having a bit more of a chat before, before Ray leaves to, to go find Luke. Yeah. So, so I wonder if they'll just adapt that to the comic book page, which would be a little bit unfortunate, I think, and a, a little bit of a, a cheap bait. Yeah, that that's what I was wondering about. Like, are they just saying because if you really think about it, like it can't be that involved of a story between Leia and Ray because the time span is literally a day. Yeah, it's super brief. So I, I tend to think you're right in that they will have a brief exchange and the bulk of the comic will be about Ray, Chewie and R2. Yeah. That's on the Falcon as they travel to Acto. That sound, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it'll still be fun. It'll be great. But I was just like a little thrown off by that description. Yeah, no, you're right. And especially since, you know, with Rise of Skywalker coming, we're all really, we, we saw that shot of uh, Rey and Leia hugging in, mm. the, in the teaser. So there's, there's more to come with those two. And yeah. This 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 comic will hopefully inform some of that as well. So I, ho I, I hope. Yeah, I hope that relationship grows a, a little bit deeper because I, th I think in the TFA novelization, when Ray leaves, I I believe what Leia says to her is something to the effect of. Like, it, it kind of has to be this way. Like, it has to be you that goes. I could be... I If anybody out there remembers, uh, please cor correct me. But I think that was sort of the context, is that, like, you have to be the one to do this. Because I, I always thought, like, why why didn't Leia go? Yeah. Like, you're evacuating that place anyway. For sure the First Order's coming. Like, why don't you just take Leia and, and get her off to safety to a place where nobody else knows where you're going. And if you know, Leia, you think Leia would have taken no from Luke? That's true. 
She would have grabbed him by the ear, twisted real hard, and dragged him right back up that falcon ramp and back into the battle. And yeah. There, and there'd be nothing he would do or say about it. <laughs> Mm-mm. All right. So that's the Age of Resistance comics for September. Um, and then we a, a couple of weird... I, I call them weird. We'll see what you guys think. But Marvel Comics issue 1000. I, I even forgot this was even a title. And it's at issue 1000. But it, it's coming in August. It's basically 80 pages... 81-page stories, and Charles Soule is teaming up with Terry Dodson for a one-page story about Darth Vader. And they gave us a look at one wordless panel from that one page, and it's it's Vader emerging from some sort of smoking wreckage with his uh, unignited saber in hand. Like, I, I don't know what kind of story they can tell with one page, <laughs> but it's, it's Charles Soule and... If anybody's going to get me to spend 10 bucks on one page, it's probably Charles Soule. But yeah. What, what do you think? What What is this one saying to you? Um, I think it's the whole overall thing's a really cool concept. Um, but yeah, just one page. How can you do Vader justice with one page? But like you said, Charles Soule, I mean, he did Poe Dameron. He did Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, both amazing series. So incredible. Yeah, so I could definitely see something really great coming of it. Um, I trust him, so I think he could do a good job. Yeah, he's an, he's another one of those creators like Claudia Gray, mm. um, and I'm I'm gonna put John Favreau in that group as well. Just <laughs> blind faith. I whatever they do, I, I'm in. It's I'm not even gonna question it. Yeah. Yeah, and so sticking with Vader, here this this title has complete like really slipped me by. Target Vader. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, I, mean, I think this comes out next week if I'm not mistaken. It's it's from Robbie Thompson, who I believe has done Star Wars before. She did the. I have it written down. Um, the Imperial Cadet series and the solo comic book adaptation. Okay, so Robbie's a she. Oh, I think so. All I right. think. Cool. I wasn't sure. <laughs> that is, there's no Wikipedia page for this person. I hate getting that wrong. <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> Let me look it up. In any event, it's it's. <laughs> As the title suggests, I suppose, it's um, Vader is the hunted. He's being tracked down by a bunch of, of bounty hunters. One of them is a droid. One is a Gamorrean. One is an Ardinian, a la uh, Rio, my boy. So excited about that, yeah, bringing the Ardinian cool. back. Uh, a, masked, a masked hunter who appears to be a female Tusken Raider, which is kind of cool. Uh, Dengar... And a guy, the central guy of, of this crew of bounty hunters named Baylert Valance, who was first introduced, I believe, I, I think it was Star Wars issue 16, but back in the 70s. So, you know, this yeah. goes way back to that bizarre Marvel run. And they, they've resurrected this character and brought him into canon. And he's, if you, if you what does he look like? Well, he looks like um, 
a Terminator, basically, with, you know, like when they lose half the skin off their face and you just see like the metal skeleton under. That's what this guy looks like. Half human face, half robot face. And that happened in Imperial Cadet. Oh, did it? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I had, That's a series I did not get into. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I was so excited when they, because I, I mean, Dark Visions was okay. Um, I hate to say <laughs> that about Star Wars, but Dark Visions was okay. Um, so I was like, are they out of Vader stories? And then the Age of Rebellion Vader book came out, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're not out of Vader stories. This is great. And then this series, Target Vader, you know, I was like, another Vader story? But when they brought on Valence, however you say that, Valence, um, I was really excited because he was in the Imperial Cadet series. And you see how he gets injured in the Imperial Cadet series. Interesting. Yeah. And Solo is, Han is very instrumental in his um, being saved from death. Okay. So if anything, this guy would be kind of down with Han Solo, unless of course the bounty was out on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird. All right. Well, that's that's kind of interesting backstory. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. But so these guys, this crew of bounty hunters, it looks like they work for this new crime syndicate called the Hidden Hand, and they've caught the the attention of Palpatine, who has ordered Vader to take out this syndicate. I guess Palpatine. Apparently, he doesn't like being challenged, so he he's commanded Vader to take this guy out. Uh, but as, you know, as, as the piece tells us, the, the thing that we read about the preview about Target Vader, it, it doesn't take very long for Vader to become the hunter, which, hey, shock. <laughs> Tell me if you didn't see yeah. that coming. <laughs> but it's uh, what we also learned is that Vader can't seem to find any answers about the hidden hand. And the, the deeper he digs, the less he finds. So you, you know what? where my brain went and I, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I really, really don't want this to be just another test from Palpatine to Vader. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I just yeah. hope it's not like this fake thing that Palpatine set up just, just to put Vader through the grind one more time. I'll, I'll be disappointed if they do that. Cause they, I think they did plenty of that. At least like Charles soul did it. Right. I think so. Yeah, they, they he had created those or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um sorry, go ahead. Uh, was it was it Charles Charles Solar previous to that? Yeah, those those weird like the the Mon Cala on the yeah. cyborg body. Like there was um, all these like these not really force users, but they were creations. The there were the twins with the well the yeah, and then there was the Mon Calamari, and then... <laughs> Which I think is still the the worst character ever created in Star Wars. <laughs> um, and then there was the woman Void Gazer, the woman with the like implants in her eyes who commanded the droids. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it all turned out to be like this 
thing designed by Palpatine to to see if Vader could could actually outlast them. And if he died, oh well, then I guess he shouldn't have been here in the first place. Right. So I hope this is not another case of that. Anyway, so uh, it was it was a news piece that that came up on Newsarama, and they they'd asked Thompson. Uh, when when was this series set? And he kind of dodged the question. But I think all things considered, yeah. it's it's weird that he just dodged the question like that. But I think it, it's set sometime after the Solo movie. That's kind of how... I, I mean, it, and it makes sense now that if you're saying that uh, Baylor Valance took the injuries in Imperial Cadet, mm. I think it's necessary. It could, it could happen earlier, right? Could yeah, there's that ten year time uh, jump in, in solo, so it could true. maybe not. Huh. It kinda there was something I read in it that made it sound like it was earlier rather than later. I don't know I maybe or maybe I'm getting things mixed up. I can't remember. But it was weird that he said um where it took place in the dark reaches of the galaxy <laughs> and then didn't say when i wonder if it's because he doesn't really know <laughs> <laughs> just leave it to other people to put a timestamp on it yeah maybe it's it's self-contained enough that it's not important like I can't yeah. see why. Like I, I was baffled. I'm like, why can't you just answer that question? It seems simple enough. Like I don't know that you need to say it. It takes place exactly one year before or after this event. Yeah. But generally, I thought it was weird that he just totally ducked the question. <laughs> but something that you would you would kind of alluded to, like the usage of Vader. Like I, I I'm getting a bit. Con- I've been concerned for a while actually, but. I, I feel like the usage of Vader in, in any medium, it's like he's central to TFA's imagery. And of course he, he, he leaves a huge impression in, in Rogue One, but he's been all mm. over the comics. You know, he's got like what two full runs, mm. at least two mini series. And then like the one pager we just spoke about, there's a VR series about him. Like, yeah. Of course, if, he might be the most iconic figure in the entire saga, but are are you a little bit, concerned that maybe they're using him too much well like i said with dark visions i was like what is going on like are they out of stories and then i read age of rebellion darth vader and it was really good so even if they're overdoing it if they tell good stories then it's not a problem for me um but at the same time like i don't want it to be where people get a bad taste in their mouth when they hear Darth Vader. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to, I, I don't know if I'm at that point yet, but just like the, the cash grab thing, like throw yeah. Vader on the cover and people will buy it. Right. Like I just, I just, cause at least to their credit, whenever Vader is there, at least they're trying to do something with the character. They're trying to at least tell an interesting story. Yeah. And like I would just hate for, I would just hate for like there to be like this this series or even a single issue of, like Vader just catches a, a trail of of some traitors, whether it's a, a 
a Jedi who escaped the Purge, or some annoying rebel cell. And his only job in that comic miniseries issue is just to go and stomp on them. Yeah. If, if that was it, like I'd be like, no, that that was lame. Yeah. So as long as they can tell an interesting story, and I don't know what left you can say about about Darth Vader that we don't know or that we need right. to know. But I, I got to think that at some point they're going to have to maybe put him away for a little while. I mean, he even showed up in Thrawn Alliances. Yeah, he was. Well, he yeah, he was he was big in that, right? Yeah, it was because it was a double story where it was Thrawn and Anakin and Padme and then Thrawn and Darth Vader. And it went back and forth between the two timelines. Yeah, absolutely. So he was big in that book as well. So. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much longer they can stick with that formula. I, I feel like the longer they, they keep him around, the longer that they, they kind of keep the Skywalker saga in the foreground. Mm-hmm. And then like the Benioff and Weiss series or Ryan Johnson stuff. I think that those those series will struggle. Or I guess maybe yeah, they'll they'll struggle to find their 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 ground if the shadow of the Skywalkers is always looming. So I right. hope they put some of that away at some point. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's dive he- into. I guess what what's really Kieran Gillen's swan song, Star Wars sixty seven has dropped and uh, I I guess this is, this is sort of the end of an era in in more ways than one. Uh, What did you think? Let's just, we'll talk about the issue first and then I guess we can talk about Kieran Gillen as a whole and and where we see this title going next. So what what did you think about issue 67? I really liked the way that it ended. I thought it was, I mean, the whole thing i like the whole issue like the way that they ended the arc um i was really excited that leia was able to get through to benthic and it was and han was able to get through to benthic um it showed that they that i I was actually there was one thing that that han said that i thought was interesting when they were on salabea um at the end towards the end of the issue when Han said, we don't have to be anything we don't want to be anymore, especially when you get the right motivation. I really liked that. I kind of thought he was maybe talking about Leia, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I think, I think Leia was in that panel, if I'm not mistaken. There's, there's like an allusion to yeah, he's sort of like hinting over, over his shoulder at Leia. Yeah. Um, but I really liked that, that Benthic seemed to have a change of heart. Um, after all his crazy deviousness, um, despite him being a, a rebel. Um, and then I, of course, I love any connection to Rogue One. So the fact that Benthic is in this and they mentioned Jetta and how he says Alderaan and Jetta, sisters in pain. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really cool that. I mean, it's been a while since we've talked about this arc on the podcast. I don't even know if we have, actually. So just to, to, to add some context, uh, Leia was kind of tracking down this this enemy of hers, the Queen Trios, 
who is who's kind of become the first in Leia's specific rogue gallery of villains. And they were going to just sabotage what what was going on on Shutoran, which is just sort of like a mining facility that was aiding the empire. But Benthic was going, <laughs> "No, we're going to sa- we're going to sabotage Leia's mission. We're going to destroy the planet in revenge for what the empire did to to Jedha." which I thought was fascinating. And so the rebels kind of have to walk back their own plans for a while. It was interesting to see uh, Kieran Gillen put that argument out there that, you know, coming from Han and Leia saying that we, we can't do this. If, if we do what you want to do, we may as well stop fighting because we like, we, we become them. Yeah. And it was, it's inter- interesting that, for a while, I had forgotten just how long Gillen had been on this book. Yeah, he did a bunch. Like his first issue was was thirty eight, which was the start of the Ashes of Jetta arc. Yeah. So he he brought in Benthic and and some of the partisans from Rogue One from his very first arc, and here he is at the end, sort of tying that all together. It was really, really gratifying to see that happen over thirty issues. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think his, I think his run has been uh, underrated, maybe not talked about enough. And I know, like Star Wars comics among Star Wars fans is is, is a bit of a niche, but he, I think he's he did some really, really good work, like really good work. In, in at least in specifically with with Han and Luke and Leia like he didn't just gloss over those three like he filled in parts of their character that felt relevant you know what I mean like like this, this yeah the whole Shutoran arc really did a lot for Leia I think and I think hope dies really worked on Han and then I think ashes of Jedha and and other issues here and there did did a lot for Luke, but I, I think he did really good job picking up from Jason Aaron. And I feel like the escape did a lot for all three of them. Yeah, like flying through that planet, the uh, the collapsing planet core. No, the the escape, the um the the arc. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, you mean when they were... On Cuban. Yeah, on on the moon, like that exile moon of Cuban where they're kind of cut off from everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, like that was just them being forced off the battlefield for a while. And yeah, I do... And that was like the reintroduction of Scar Squadron. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a a cool arc too. It just... It forced them all kind of just to cool off a little bit. But that's where I think... Maybe you saw some of the first seeds of of Han having a thing for Leia. Yeah. And <laughs> she knocked him flat on his ass for it. <laughs> I don't know how long that was going that, to... That, well, obviously, we know that doesn't last forever, but I wonder how long Leia's armor... I guess we, know, we, we, we fully know. Like, her armor lasts for a few years. At yeah. least a couple years. Um. You know, you know what's really bothered me though about this run going back quite a few years was was like the uncanny valley faces. Mm-hmm. 
and it just I, when when I, I think Salvador Larocca left quite a while ago now, I, I thought, oh good, they're gonna get somebody new in here. They can put their own style, but they I think um, I forget his name, but he seemed to just want to maybe keep it sort of seamless, and he kept the same style as Larocca, and it still had that like the faces drawn straight out of the movies. Like, oh god. Mm. So I'm really hoping for a big shakeup next. Yeah. And visually speaking, anyway. Like I really hope that Phil Noto, whose art I I love, I I really think this the the main title needs a refresh on the art. Yeah, I've never really. I very rarely find a comic book that I have issues with the art. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not that picky, but um, there was like one annual star Wars annual that came out that the art was just weird. And that really bothered me, but I think that's right. Um, but besides that, I, I don't know. I know what you're talking about though. I completely know what you're talking about, but, um, it hasn't bothered me that much. Well, uh, we all survived it anyway. So (laughs) yeah, it's true. It's true. I don't know how, but we got through it. Oh, another thing that I liked in, um, number 67 was that R2 kept saying, trust the force, master Luke, trust the force. I thought that was kind of cool that yeah. 3PO translated that, and then he's like, "When did you become such a mystic?" <laughs> yeah, that that moment kind of messed me up a little bit because I've I've never seen Luke not know what R two was saying. That's true, but he's usually in his ship when he's talking to R two, and when he's in his ship, he has a translator. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, like in A New Hope, I guess he understood him. But like C-3PO was there to do the talking, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like I, I did. I, I was momentarily confused by that anyway. But yeah, interesting, though, that it would have R2 doing that. I, I wonder if it if it has any deeper implications for the future, because we know that the opening crawls are all kind of R2-D2 narration. So I wonder if those two are somehow sort of subtly linked together. Yeah. But then hmm. um, I think Nathan from our Facebook group pointed this out. Like now now this book sort of um, literally, I mean, the final panel is, is the, the crew sort of walking up the ramp to the Falcon and sort of saying goodbye to this to this post a new hope era and now we're now we're going straight into empire strikes back territory like they they even talk about the planets that they're looking for yeah hoth is among them so we know we know where we're headed next and and uh like i said nathan brought this up into our facebook group that we're hitting the empire strikes back timeline on just as we're hitting the 40th anniversary of the movie and just to go a little bit deeper into that thought, that's not really until May 2020. So I wonder how long they can drag out. Like, how long can, can Greg Pak drag out this... You know, we're talking now like 10 months or so of, of comics. 
what's he going to do in these 10 months before we get to to Empire? Because I do believe that the issues that come out in April, May, June of next year mm-hmm. will be will be significant issues because of Empire's birthday. So I, I wonder what we get in between now and then. Like, do you have any... Do you have any thoughts about what you want to see as we as we enter the A New Hope or I guess post A New Hope um, Empire Strikes Back timeline? Um. Well, one thing, like reading the synopsis for the next arc, it made me wonder because it said Han and Leia, noir romance in danger in a noir world with romance and danger, Luke and R2 going against the executor, which is Darth Vader's flagship, right? Yep. So is Darth Vader going to be involved in that issue? Um, And then Chewie and 3PO on admission together. So is it saying that these are going to be three separate issues or are they going to be three stories told simultaneously? And it says it's epic. So what does it mean that it's epic? Is my question. Yeah. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) So I would. You know. I'm just. I'm curious. Like what I would like to see. And you made a really good point. About they're setting it up now. So we know that. That's on the horizon. And Hoth is in the list. um, Of planets. That they're looking at. I'd like to see them visiting. All the mentioned planets. I don't want them to just dangle. And just be random planets that are mentioned. I actually want to see them. Um, But I think it would be cool. If they did three separate issues. So but to keep it. Genre specific. um, Have the Han and Leia issue. Have the Luke and R2 issue. Have the Chewie and 3PO issue. And then have a fourth issue. Where they all come together in the end. And it kind of all connects somehow. Of course, that's only four issues, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe we can have some issues where they Luke has to capture his Tauntaun, <laughs> capture and tame a Tauntaun. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I think and I, then... people are looking at the the Han and Leia story and thinking this could be that that finally we get that mention the the bounty hunter from Ord Mantell. Yeah. Could we? Could this finally be where we get? A canon answer to that. And will they be will they be wearing those cool sunglasses that we see on the cover? <laughs> oh god. I think the cover for I, I don't know if it's the first of of Greg Pack's stories. But yeah, Han and Leia are wearing these ridiculous goggles. It looks like they're gonna go go play squash. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And then like after that so I figure they set up Hoth and then would the main line reset after Empire Strikes Back and go back to issue one? Because I heard rumors a long time ago, months ago, about it resetting. I had never heard that. That's fascinating. That's really, I wonder if they would, I have, geez, would they do that? It makes, it in a way, it could almost make the case because... Wow, I I don't know if they would just yet. I think they would drag it out. You know, go through Empire, and I I do wonder what they would do with, once we hit Empire Strikes Back. Like, right. would they just skip over that the events of that movie and then pick up after, or talk about what happened during Empire Strikes Back, but 
told through another character's eyes. Or maybe mm. maybe maybe, the, maybe we spend an issue or so with Han and Chewie and Leia on the Falcon on the way to Bespin. They do some character exploration there. I don't know, but I, I think it'd be interesting. I think to tell the story uh, through through the perspective of another character that we hadn't met yet, or that yeah. we do know somewhat. Like maybe maybe we follow the rest of the Rebel fleet for a couple for a couple issues as we know that you know Luke is off on Dagobah and Han and Leia are elsewhere where's the rebel fleet well maybe we get to hook up with Mon Mothma and General Riken for an issue I think that would be kind of That's cool a really see. Yeah that's a really good point like how they did um the Poe Dameron series with Black Squad, black. That's correct, right? Black Squadron. Yeah. Um, how it showed what they were doing during the time of the Last Jedi and why they weren't there, and it was during the Last Jedi, but it was showing other stuff happening. So that is possible. I hadn't even thought about that possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something they're going to have to deal with. But then, like, as, oh, man, the, the reset. Like, I, I feel like they would go and tell us what happens between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, reset it to issue one after, like, and start it right after Empire Strikes Back and then go to Return of the Jedi. And that leads me to another question. ESB to ROTJ is just one year. A New Hope to ESB is three years. So you're talking 70 plus issues. I'll be generous and say there are 80 issues before Empire Strikes Back happens. You have to cut that in three to make it make sense lengthwise. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's it's kind of tough. So that would just be 80 divided by 3 is like 20. 23? No. No. 27? 26.666? Is that the answer? So, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Um, so that would be how long that would run would have to be for it to make sense in comparison. But maybe I'm just thinking way too hard about this. Oh, geez, you, you, you must be a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what true. we do. This is what we do. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they if they do keep things in sort of a, a linear timeline, then yeah, that's kind of the way they have to drag it out. But I, I wonder if they would go to the end of Return of the Jedi or up to Return of the Jedi with the comics and then end it. And then do your that... reset and say, like, just this volume of Star Wars comics, whatever it is, 80 issues or 90 issues, this this is Star Marvel Star Wars New Canon Volume 1. And then once, because we know this is inevitable, they will start to explore the post-Return of the Jedi era. Yeah. Is that where they renumber and, and kickstart the whole thing anew? Or would they just keep going? And mm. I, I, that's, that's a, that is a fascinating question. I have to imagine that 
whether they renumber or not, the main title will st- will continue. But what it would take, it would take on a vastly different form. Because then, yeah, that... like once you get into Luke Skywalker after Jedi, I think things get really wild. Leia's pregnant. Han is doing Han things. It it, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah. And like we said, we, we have, like Aftermath covers that pretty in depth, aside from Luke. It's funny. That's it's a really funny good how point. Luke really hasn't gotten a whole lot. Mm-mm, not at all. Legends of Luke Skywalker, which may or that may book not be is true. So weird. <laughs> you know what? I, I, that book, I, I, I credit that book to this day with me being able to like easily digest the Luke that we got in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't read that book before going to see Episode Eight. I, I wonder what my reaction would have been. Because like as I read Legends of Luke and it was such a different book from what I was expecting. Like it was it was so weird. And I'm like, huh, I guess this is how they see Luke now. I guess because it was a journey to the Last Jedi book. Right. Like this must be sh- like shades of the Luke that we're getting. And there was no action at all. In Legends of Luke Skywalker, and it was a it was a pretty thick book. It was, <laughs> and there was it was very little action. So I go, okay, I guess this is this is gonna be mostly what we get from Luke. Really interesting stuff. Uh, there's there's still so much they can do with uh, with with the printed world in Star Wars, and every time mm-hmm. they they open up a branch of storytelling, you get a whole like subsection of of novels and comics that could follow like mandalorian and cassie andor they will spin off their own comics and novels yeah excited for that definitely and we like i'm already thinking ahead to our next podcast which is hopefully if if all goes well, well we'll reconvene again on i think july 17th or so we have I, I won't have any new comics. Actually, no, I, I will have uh, Galaxy's Edge. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, boy. So good. It's so good. I have actually <laughs> really enjoyed the first two. Oh, my goodness. I have, oh, I'm looking at issue three right here. <clears throat> I have yet to read it, but it's got Hondo on the cover. So how yes. can you go wrong? You can't. That is That is the answer. I am so impressed with that series. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've been really pleasantly surprised. That the second issue I, was, I read it twice. Like I read it the first time I'm like that was really good and I went back and read it immediately. Like I I rarely do that with a comic now. Yeah. Uh yeah, so we can talk about that. We have Queen's Shadow we can still talk about. Have you have you read that? Yes. Perfect. That's good. I we, loved it. Michelle and I have been have been angling to talk about that for a while we've just not make made it work i don't know if anybody still cares cares to hear us but we're going to talk about it i think <laughs> uh master and apprentice we've we've got to touch on that at some point yeah and alphabet squadron i i, I don't even have i haven't even picked up the book yet have you i'm on page 83 so far so good so far so good that's that's sort of been the consensus. I've I've seen 
very few complaints. Actually, I don't think I've seen any. All I've seen is, like, can't wait for book two. Yeah, some of the space battle stuff throws me off, but that's just because... I, I don't know. I guess I'm not... I'm fine with watching it on screen, but reading Space Battles is a little confusing to me. But that's no fault of Alexander Freed's. That's just my brain doesn't work that way. No, I know. I, I do know what you mean. It's, it, it is definitely a, a visual thing. Yeah. The thing I was mostly afraid of, which seems like I was possibly right about, when they first introduced the concept of the book, I think Del Rey teased it. They said, oh, who did these guys take their orders from? That's right. General Harrison Dula. And like fandom lost their minds. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know what? I hope this isn't just the thing where they're getting us all worked up over Hera. And she's in like three pages. I hope it's not that. And it seems like it's almost a case of that where she's very sparingly used throughout the book. Maybe she's more prevalent in the other two? I hope in so. books two and three? I do hope so. But we will... I, 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 I got to think we're going to c- cover those books at some point, including the, the tie-in TIE Fighter series from Marvel. We'll touch on all that stuff. Yeah, I've been enjoying that one a lot, too. Yeah, it's been, it's been surprisingly cool. Again, what Marvel and Disney and... and all the publishers have been doing is making Imperials out to be very human. And so you you don't automatically hate them just because they're Imperials, which for so long was the automatic reaction. Imperials hate them. Can't deal. (laughs) But so many times they've, they've put someone in that faction and you care about them and you're like, what, what are you doing? But I like it. It's, (laughs) it's, it's, It's cool. I do too. All right. I think this is, probably the good place to put down the podcast for this week marie you certainly don't seem like uh, a podcasting rookie this this went really well yay and i i definitely felt um <laughs> for myself I, I feel like i've taken a week off i'm, I'm I, I can feel the, the the rust only now starting to come off a little bit but hopefully it'll be off completely for next week but that will do it We'll be back in about three weeks uh, with with Michelle and Marie, will, and we will talk about more stuff from Star Wars comics and books, and we hope you join us then. But uh, next week, I'll be back with those two other guys. You, I forget their names. I'll speak to them at some point this week. We'll, we'll line it up, and we'll be back then. Um, Marie, again, thank you so much for joining the Tumbling Saber crew. Absolutely. And uh, where where... Let's. I mean, it bears repeating, but where can people find you on social media, your blog, all that stuff? I am on Twitter at Alia Morgan, um, and I have a blog at the Star Wars Review which reviews everything. And then I write canon readers guides and some other reviews and some other pieces on BeyondTheBlastDoors.com. Perfect. And you know where you can find me. It's at Tumbling Saber on Instagram, on Facebook. You can join our group. We have a lot of fun in there. Um, on Twitter as well. Twitter just, is just such a weird place these days, but I'm there anyway. <clears throat> and I also want to, before we close out, 
Give a shout out to our friend Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast as part of the E14 Endorse program. You can learn more about that and all the things that Rob does at Emotionally14.com. Go check that out. And also be sure to check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. We are, we are a group of eight podcasts. I like them all. I think everybody's doing some really good work, and I think you might too. So go check everybody out at StarWarsCommonwealth.com or on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as a podcast provider. So that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode 181, and we'll talk to you again next week in episode 182. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye. Static draws me closer to your place, willing me through my dreams, fall away, signs blindly to the lines on your face, beating strong. Drifting, not relive this dream over and over and over again. Please don't leave my heart broken, bleeding. Don't believe it. breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over And you wrote